Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I was getting a haircut, and uh, my, my barber heard I was a pastor, and then jumped into conversations about religion and his experience with that. And, and he was a Christian who came uh, from, from a storied past, and I got to hear some of those stories along the way. Uh, throughout the course of the conversation, we got into kind of the topic that Hebrews brings up today about looking forward to something better. During one point in our conversation, he, he said he had heard a sermon once where the theme was um, the, the best is yet to come or something like that. So we were talking about, well, what, what did that pastor mean when he said that? Was he talking about heaven coming? Was it talking about things getting better for you in this world? And, and that's kind of the question that our text puts before us, too. What is this something better that God promises his people? What can we count on? The Hebrew Christians were part of the Holy Christian Church, too. They had faith in Christ, but they were discouraged and they were worried because they weren't living their best life right now. Uh, things were hard. There were all kinds of struggles. So in Hebrews chapter 11, the apostle who, who's writing this brings up these heroes of faith as an encouragement for people to, to hold firm and to hang in there. He talks about people like Moses and Abraham and some of the greats of the Old Testament. And here we get toward the end of the book of Hebrews and the end of this chapter, and he's kind of saying, oh, I, don't, I don't even have time to talk about all these wonderful examples and encouragements that God gives us. He, he lists some of them. He says, I don't have time to tell all about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and, and David and, and Samuel and all of the prophets and all the things they did, but he starts to list them so people who are familiar with their, their scriptures start to have these images coming up and they can start to put faces and names toward these narratives from the Bible. Uh, things like people who by faith conquered kingdoms and carried out justice. And maybe we start thinking about King David conquering kingdoms or, or Joshua taking over the promised land. Uh, Samuel being uh, the great judge who's administering justice throughout the land. We hear um, they, they shut the, the mouths of lions. I can think of at least a couple people, maybe three. There, there's Samson defeats a lion, uh, King David defeats lions and bears when he's protecting his sheep. You're maybe also thinking of Daniel and the lion's den. And, and he goes on to talk about um, overcoming the power of the flames, three men in the fiery furnace. People who are, who are conquering, who are becoming mighty in battle, like Samson causing foreign armies to flee. People receiving back their dead by resurrection. All of these ways that, that God's people are winning and they're conquering and they're achieving and they're living lives that seem extraordinary. Look what faith does. Prosperity, power, weakness turned to strength, overcoming danger and overcoming even death. Friends, God gives us something better. We see all of these examples of people trusting in God and following him and, and prospering. So we have to ask ourselves, as we read the beginning of this section, what does this mean for, for Christians like you and I? 
who struggle too. Well, well, one popular preacher made this application and said it like this. He says, the best is in front of you. Opportunities, finances, influence. And after you see that best, God will give you something better. A new best. Get ready. I believe and declare that you are about to come into some bests. Best opportunities, best relationships, best health, best resources. It's as if that that preacher is saying, look what God does through faith. If you have enough faith, strong enough faith, God will make you powerful and influential and you will conquer your adversaries even in, in finance and in business and be strong and successful and God will make you rich and give you a a happy new life. Something better very soon if you have a strong enough faith. Amen? No. Hopefully some of you are getting a little bit uncomfortable in the seat right now. Wait a second, I thought we came to a Wells church today. This doesn't doesn't sound biblical because it's, it's not the whole picture. It isn't biblical, yet it's something that that we want to hold on to and we want to hear that God is going to do what I want and make my life better and make it better soon if I trust in him enough and I follow him enough. But that's, that's not the gospel. That's not how God works. And that's not what the Hebrew Christians needed to hear either. We like that sometimes because we want the easy way out. Maybe we want glory without suffering. We want God to follow our agenda. We want God's word to fit around our priorities. And sometimes it's because we want to control God. We look for something better right now. And our sinful nature shows when we get upset with him when he's not giving it to us. Or on the other side, we start to despair. We, we, we start to worry and, and get upset when things aren't going well because we've started to believe the lie that, that God's blessings are contingent on the strength of our faith. And we think, well, if my life isn't going well right now, I must not be a very good Christian. God isn't promising us more and more prosperity right now or necessarily even in this world. God graciously blesses us in this world, and I truly believe that makes, he makes our lives better because he changes our perspective, even if he doesn't change our circumstances. But even in this letter to the Hebrews where we see God's people uh, prospering and conquering, there's another side to it, isn't there? For even those Old Testament believers that he's holding up as examples, yes, People received back their dead by resurrection. People were raised from the dead, but some were killed. Others were tortured and did not accept their release. Instead, they continued to be tortured so that they might have a better resurrection. They they had God's promises. Sometimes they had God's promises in this earthly life that, that he would do incredible things through them, but they all had promises about a better resurrection that was still coming. And that that made them willing to accept suffering because strong faith doesn't equal a lack of suffering. Sometimes it even invites more suffering. 
People are, are tortured. It, it's a word which uh, the Greek language is also used to describe people who are connected to a wheel and their arms and legs are just stretched out and then beaten with rods and sometimes died from this. We have this example of suffering and persecution for most of God's believers in the Bible. We have Elijah running away because he knew Jezebel was hunting him down with swords or sending people after him. Tradition says that the prophet Isaiah was cut in two with a wooden sword. John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus was jeered and flogged. The prophets were often on the run wearing the poorest of clothes. Was this their best life? Not if the expectation was earthly success, wealth, power, influence, prosperity. But we see what God gave them to encourage them and give them the hope and the ability to withstand torture and even death. It's the same thing that we know and cherish so that they might take part in a better resurrection. Elijah and Elisha both raised sons back from the dead and gave them back to their mothers, but God was planning to send a better son who would come and, and die for the sins of this whole world. And God the Father would raise him back up to give us the sure hope of eternal life forever. God does have something better in mind for you, something that makes the persecution worth it and the perseverance possible. And it makes our perspective perfect. We see in the last couple of verses here this something better that God promised us. The author says, all of these, these people I've mentioned, all of them were commended in Scripture. They were held up, rejoiced over, used as examples, commended in Scripture by faith. Yet, they did not receive what was promised. Because God planned something better for us. Namely, that they would not reach the goal apart from us. These Old Testament prophets had something better that they were waiting for, but they didn't receive it. Not like the, the Hebrew Christians had, not like we had. They were waiting for a Savior to come, but they didn't get to see him. They searched their own writings to figure out when he would come, what he would be like, how he would come into this world. First uh, Peter chapter 1 says that. They, they prophesied about the grace that was to come to you and searched diligently and studied concerning this Salvation, trying to find out the person, what time the Spirit of Christ was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They were waiting for another son, son of God, who came. The son of God who, who made it uh, possible and sure that we would reach the goal, that we would be perfected, the perfect one, came into this world, the only one who could truly live his best life, a holy, perfect life, came into this world, but by all outward accounts, it didn't look like the best life, did it? Because he too follows in the footsteps of all of the prophets, and he suffers and dies. Not for his own sins, but for ours, because he had given us his perfect life, and in exchange, taken all of our sinfulness, all of our guilt, all of the times when we've been upset with God for not giving us what we wanted right now, he takes it onto his shoulders and he suffers and dies so that it could be punished once and for all, so that God would truly give you something so much better. 
than any of us deserve. So something better than we deserve right now in our lives. It might not be the, the prosperity, but maybe it's the attitude of generosity that he gives us. Jesus turns all of our perceptions on their heads. He, he makes us rich in faith, fills us uh, with love that gives us everything we need and love to share with others. He takes people who weep now over their sins and gives them eternal joy because of his free and full forgiveness. The goal is perfection. The goal is heaven. The goal is eternity. And those Old Testament heroes of faith, yes, they, they died and their souls went to be with Christ in heaven, but they hadn't seen him come. And we're still waiting for him to come again to give us the perfect bodies, the, the eternal physical bodies once again in the new heaven and new earth. And God makes this promise. That, that those who have died in faith before us, they're, they're also waiting to join us. So that this Christian church, this invisible church of all believers, those who are living in perfected glory now, their souls in heaven and us, where we feebly struggle now, will be united. God had something better planned for us. That they would not reach the goal apart from us. God has been patient enough to bring you into his kingdom so that you can be with him eternally. Amen.